This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and Aha That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. So for now, hey, our fearless friends, here's Lisa Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. My name is Lisa McDonald, host of Living Fearlessly with the Contact Talk Radio Network. Listenership spans to 145 countries, 220 TV radio terrestrial satellites, and the potential for millions of iTunes downloads. Once again, we are joined by yet another phenomenal guest. So who is my guest of today? Well, what I can tell you is we are joined by a phenomenal individual by the name of Kevin Carroll. Raised by his grandparents in the greater Philadelphia area, Kevin spent endless hours at the neighborhood playground where he found his calling, a red rubber ball. His subsequent pursuit of sport and play, aka his red rubber ball, plus his love of learning has led Kevin to becoming an author, a speaker, and a social change agent. Kevin is an author of four highly successful books published by ESPN, Disney Press, McGraw-Hill, and a kid's book about he has helped turn creative ideas into reality for organizations such as Nike, Starbucks, Adidas, Walt Disney, Target, Procter & Gamble, Columbia Sportswear, Mattel, the National Basketball Association, and many others. Kevin has dedicated his life to advancing education, sports, and play as a vehicle for social change and success. He was honored to address the United Nations as part of the UN Year of Sports Development and Peace in 2005, and is an ongoing advisor and active supporter for many global social innovation organizations. Kevin was named by Success Magazine as one of 19 Sears Changing the World. Welcome to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald, my friend. How are you, Kevin? Lisa, I'm thrilled to be spending some time with you today. Thanks for having me. Well, it's such an honor and it's such a privilege. And we were connected. I was highly jazzed, particularly after we had the opportunity to hop on the phone and really glean some aspects of each other, which is why I know this is going to be a yummy interview for the global listening audience. So... <laughs> So everybody who follows me, which I'm grateful for, everybody knows that this is unscripted, it's organic, uh, there's no standard q and I think it makes for a much more authentic conversation. So I want to start with the backstory, as I always do with my individual guests of each week. So let's talk a little bit about some of the hardship, the adversity, because although people would know your success story today and be very enamored uh, and very inspired by that, 
I often talk about there's no such thing as an overnight success. We know that there's usually a great level of pain, adversity, hardship that people have to overcome in order to stay the course for that trajectory of their future life for what they endeavor to do to even become tangibly possible in the real world. So let's talk about some of the pain, some of the hardships, some of the reality of of what your six-year-old self had to endure. No, that's real. And, and I think it all starts with an attitude and a mindset of victim versus fighter. And I yes. chose to be a fighter. And I think that's really the way I can level set the conversation from the jump, right, from our start is I chose to be a fighter. And I, I chose not to allow my circumstances to dictate my destiny. And I think that was a really important attitude to have and mindset to have. I couldn't articulate that, you know, when I was six. But it was just an attitude I had. It was just a belief. And I would hear social workers tell my grandparents, don't expect much. Look what they come from, me and my two brothers. And I would sit at the top of the stairs and overhear this conversation. My attitude was, I'll show you. I'll show Mm. you. And I think that's really has served me well and has allowed me to find, you know, a multitude of ways to rise above my suffering and circumstances for sure. Beautiful. Okay, well, let me ask you this, because I think this is very important to impress upon the listening audience. For anybody who's in in the throes of being down the rabbit hole or, uh, you know, they're teetering back and forth between, okay, if Kevin can do it, if Lisa can do it, why too can I not do it? Because it is fundamentally a choice, particularly when we embark upon adulthood, right? We, we, unfortunately, when we're younger, if we don't have role models, we don't have guidance, we don't have influencers, we don't have people who can set us on the right path, we can in today's day of, of awareness, education, uh, you know, social agencies where everyone's rallying behind awareness and leveling up. Let's talk a little bit about what you believed kept you on the straight and narrow in terms of not going down the rabbit hole, not subscribing to victimology. Even if at six years old, you couldn't quite conceptualize it, you couldn't articulate it. What do you think the essential ingredients are that put the people in two different uh, distinct polarities, uh, dualities, categories of I'm going to make it regardless, or I don't know about this. I, I don't know if I can do this. What is that? I think fundamentally belonging. Mm. I I needed to feel like I belonged somewhere and I found these places I belonged and mm. I didn't have to be anything but myself. And so the first place was the playground in the neighborhood where my grandparents lived. And that was where I met this eclectic, crazy group of, of uh, dwellers that lived in the neighborhood who <laughs> knew our story. And they decided that they were going to pour into me and my two brothers, whatever they could. And I tell people it was a crazy, eclectic group. I mean, from drug dealers to users, war veterans to workers parents and peers it was all these individuals who decided they were going to help as best they could the three boys that didn't have and Mm -hmm. so that was my first place I belonged school was my second place that I belonged and teachers and administrators knew the story also right they knew what we didn't have they knew what we were up against and they rallied around us and you know we were free breakfast and free lunch kids so we came to school early, early to get our breakfast, but we got to sit down with custodians and front office workers and teachers. They sat with us each morning and had breakfast and talked with us. And they basically, you know, in a literal way, put their arms around us 
and let us feel like we belong somewhere. And then that third place for me, which I thought was really amazing, was the public library. Mm-hmm. I got my library card when I was nine years old and I fell in love with reading. And I realized very early that reading books makes you better. And I was a really great student because I read a lot. But what was lovely was the librarians at that public library, Ludington Library, I've never forgotten that library. I, I lovingly call them the divas of the Dewey Decimal System, right? So they, <laughs> they were amazing women and they would leave books for me. After they noticed I came in alone and spent hours there, they would literally leave stacks of books for me to read. And they'd have a little note, Kevin, we think you'd like these books. So they were way ahead of Amazon.com, we recommend and all that. They were doing that for me. And so you put those three places together and then I think probably one of the most profound fourth ingredient and most important was, you know, meeting my CEO, my chief encouragement officer of my dreams, my best friend's mom, Miss Lane. And meeting Miss Lane really was that catalyst for me, figuratively and literally. She was my human catalyst. She was my spark. She was that person who basically lovingly shoved me towards my destiny with belief in me. And so you have four places where you belong, right? And that is our fundamental need, right, is to feel like we belong somewhere. And then we can go from there because we know people are rooting for us. Right. Mm -hmm. They're rallying behind us. They're supporting us. And they're also holding us accountable. I think that was one of the magical things about those places is everyone checked on me. How are Mm -hmm. you doing? What's going on with that idea? What's going on with that hope, that dream? And I think that's what I really loved about the relationships, too. It wasn't just gassing me up and telling me, you're amazing. You're wonderful. You're going to be brilliant. No, it's like, hey, don't talk about it. Be about it. There's lots of talkers and very few doers. Kevin, which one are you? I would hear Mm -hmm. that constantly. So turning ideas into reality, advancing ideas, understanding that action was that ingredient you needed to advance your hopes and dreams all came from those four places. Beautiful. Well, I want to go back to what you said, because what you said uh, really underscores something that I think is fundamentally key to revisit for the benefit, once again, of the listening audience and eventually the podcast subscribers. So you talked about the fundamental core belief in self. Now, When you don't have people who are reaffirming, when you don't have people that are propping you up, yes, you had all those people in your periphery and you had those people who are playing with you in the playground and offering inspiration and some guidance. But you and I both know that everything is an inside job. So you can have all kinds of cheerleaders, you can have all kinds of librarians supplying you with books and taking into account the bigger picture of what your circumstances are. But if you're not good with self or you don't see that inherent belief within yourself and you don't buy into that, everybody can give you the pats on the back. They can give you the opportunities. They can give you inclusion. They can give you all kinds of things. But unless you see yourself as being worthy and deserving of that, then everything external is kind of for naught. You don't really make that link between the internal and the the external, which I call congruency. So what was the belief that you held within yourself that regardless of whether those people showed up in your life or not, and thank goodness they did, but who would Kevin be within the belief system of who Kevin is regardless of that? You know, that's always that burning question because I struggled with self-esteem, obviously, right? Because mm-hmm. abandonment was real. And so I think that was my constant tension was, was I worthy? Could I do these things? How dare I believe that this could happen for me? Mm -hmm. So that self-talk was present all the time. And I think I had to keep it at bay 
and I was constantly being pursued by it. And I still think that's something that's present in me. Even with all the success, there's always that belief in me, and maybe that's what is spurring me forward and always keeps me you know, having that competitive edge is Mm -hmm. that you're one day away from falling back into. And, you know, people might want to gas you up and tell you, oh, Kevin, you're such an amazing success. But my six-year-old self is always next to me. It's always on stage with me. It's always there reminding me that we could go back there. We could get back there. You got to stay on your game. Don't take anything for granted. Don't believe all this hype that people are, are presenting to you and filling you up with. Keep doing the work, keep doing the work, keep doing the work and trusting, believing that the hard work never goes unrewarded. And I think I built that in me. I think mm-hmm. that was something that I learned through the struggle, through the, the, the trauma that I was dealing with, was that I'm not going to be my parents. And you constantly say that to yourself. I'm mm-hmm. not going to be them. I'm not mm-hmm. going to be them. And especially in those private moments, those private conversations, Mm-hmm. And you have a lot of those when you're a child dealing with abandonment and dealing with trauma. You have a lot of conversations that can be positive self-talk or they can be negative self-talk. And I think that I chose the positive. I can tell you that my brothers struggled a long, much longer than I did. And I don't know if it was because I was really keenly aware of the fight that I was up against, but we weren't close as, as siblings mm-hmm. because we were all basically figuring it out our, on our own. And so my grandfather, you know, did the best of my grandmother. Then he lost his wife when I was 10. Hmm. So now my grandfather's raising three boys on his own. I'm dealing with abandonment one more time. Right. Because my mom and I were super close. Like we Mm -hmm. were thick as thieves. We were so close. And she left Mm -hmm. in my mind. Mm -hmm. But it was once again, I'll show you. I'll show you. Because the social workers would say these things to my grandfather now. Mr. Carroll, this is a really tough situation. Do the best you can, but look what they come from. And I think I made a decision Mm -hmm. intrinsically, right, that that self-talk, I was going to keep it at bay. I was going to fight the good fight against it every single day, and I continue to do that, you know, as an adult. And I don't think you ever lose that, Lisa. I think it's always present. I think it's always there. And that's also, you know, that willingness to compete against that every day. I think that's what I believe. I'm competing every single day, regardless of all the success and accolades that people say I've accomplished. I'm always that person. I'm one day away from returning back there. Wow. I love that you said that because that is so true. And that's the raw reality of it, isn't it? It really is. It absolutely is. It's real talk, it and 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 don't don't in any way um, try to um, create this falsehood, um, this myth in your mind. This is my belief, right? That I say this. That don't get caught up in that. As my grandmother would say, "Don't start smelling yourself." Only dogs do that, and it's not very attractive. She would say, "Right." <laughs> so, 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 right. Don't get caught up. Don't start getting caught up with all your success. You know, you need to just keep doing the work. Keep doing the work. Keep doing the work. And so, I think that discipline has served me well. Just staying disciplined and well, staying just like that. Well, and I think when we talk about humble beginnings, or if we talk about people who are really, truly still ongoingly connected 
to their inner child. And I talk about this, I preface this all the time, because I think that's where our, we are our most wondrous, our most curious. This is where we're truly living fearlessly. This is where we don't, as adults, where we become jaded or pessimistic, or we see the world through a totally different filter. Um, but oftentimes, a lot of people who are characterized as being successful, they want to put distance between the humble beginnings or the pain or the difficulty. They want to look upon that as, okay, that was like another lifetime ago. But where I am today, I'm only going to stay transfixed on where I am today. Because if I start reliving or remembering or revisiting once upon a time, that could trip me up and throw me off my game. But what I love about what you're saying, and this is the, the, the energy sphere that I too operate within, is you can never lose connection or touch with that child. And in your case, it was six years old. In my case, it was four years old. Because that is what keeps you really authentic. That's what really keeps you, as you say, being perhaps one day away from going back there. And, you, you know, it's all about being preventative and, and, and being responsible and being accountable. So you do what you can uh, to ensure that that doesn't happen, but you don't learn the lessons that propelled you to where you are today. Correct? Yeah. It, oh, absolutely. And I also think it is about, do you love that little child? Yes. Like, I love my six-year-old self. Yes. I was I was full of wonder and imagination. I would create these other worlds that were not suffering. It was not difficult. It was going to be wondrous. was going to be magical. was going to be filled with abundance. It wasn't going to have scarcity. And I think that's what I was projecting, right, mm -hmm. that I'm going to get there mm -hmm. versus woe is me and this is what it's going to be and, and this is my lot in life. Screw that. No, no. So my six-year-old self also is there celebrating with me, right? It's Absolutely. a reminder, but it also, <laughs> that inner child is always celebrating. And it's so funny. My wife will ask me when I get up in the morning and she'll say, do you have a bad day? And I say, <laughs> and I, say I have days where I might struggle a bit, but I ain't staying there. Like, I'm mm -hmm. not staying there because I got a day. Mm -hmm. And when my grandfather would remind us after he lost his wife, my mom, he would remind us by the way he woke us up in the morning, tapping the ground and saying, boys, it's a good day. You're above this and not below this. Love it. Better to Love be seen than viewed, he would say, right? Mm -hmm. Better to be mm -hmm. seen than viewed. Now, what are you <laughs> going to do with the day? Mm. And so nice. when you start understanding that. Right. And you're mm -hmm. learning that at six years old, 10 years old. Right. In my adolescence, I'm hearing that every single morning mm -hmm. that you got a day. Mm -hmm. Then, listen, I'm going to ring that day out till there's nothing left of it. And I'm going to celebrate it with imagination and curiosity and wonder. Right. And bring a dose of that humility because I start from humble beginnings and I get it. That yes. I can always return to that. And that's my attitude. And I think the more that you... Never forget your origin story. Never forget that inner child. Always celebrate that. Curiosity is going to win the day. We know that. Curiosity and wonder, right, lead mm -hmm. up to magic. We know that. Very right? true. That's real. That's real talk, right? But remind yourself by watching, right, the wonder and magic of youth. 
find opportunities to be around youthful spirits, not necessarily chronological number, just youthful spirits, other kindred spirits who believe in possibility, who believe in wonder and find ways to surround yourself with people like that. Exactly. And that's what I do. And I find opportunities. So I love that you brought up that term inner child, right? Because I, I, I love the fact that I think I bring a playful sophistication to all of my endeavors. Beautiful. Well put. Well, I wholeheartedly subscribe to what you're talking about living out the day, maximizing it, because as I think I believe you and I spoke about uh, on the phone together in preparation for this was, you know, that's one of my mantras. And I talk about this in my live streams. I talk about it on the stage. I talk about it in my books. I talk about it wherever I have the opportunity to get the message out. And that is, you know, we're all going to die. Now, regardless of what your philosophical, religious, spiritual beliefs about what it looks like once you no longer cease to exist in the physical realm of what we understand in the tangible sense of the here and now, at one time, at one point, it's going to cease to exist as we now know it. And so knowing that to be true and knowing that there's no crystal ball that's going to indicate when your last breath is going to be, I don't presume that there's going to be a tomorrow. I don't presume there's going to be a next week or six months or ringing in the new year for 2020 or whatever the case may be so because I'm always cognizant of time because I used to once upon a time work in crisis management and I've seen people you know whether it be suicide whether it be gangs whether it be whatever the case may be you never know what situation is going to shortchange you with that next day. And so if today is your last day or this is the last thing I publicly ever do, Kevin, and I have the luxury and the privilege and the honor of doing that with you, mm. then, then I know that I've maximized my day, that I'm not squandering things away and I'm not taking time, the essence and gift of time for granted. So I also want to impress upon that with the listening audience because it is true. Today could be your last day. Do you want to go out fear-based? Do you want to go out in scarcity or lack? Or do you want to capitalize on the things that you say you're intended to want to do and do it and do it with all your heart, do it with conviction and do it non-negotiably? No, I think that's real. And what is that uh, saying? Life happens while we're making plans. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> so, yes. so uh, let's... Uh, Let's keep it real, right? And so uh, I think that, you know, the gift of each day is 86,400 seconds. Mm. Your mm -hmm. gifted 86,400 seconds comprises one full day. And what if we valued each of those seconds like they were worth $1? Yes. We wouldn't waste that, would we? No, we, we would wouldn't not. waste them because we'd value it. We'd value our time. So do that each day and recognize that and ring that day out. I, I, I always use this beautiful, you know, um, visual of children at Disneyland or Disney World, right, getting carried out by their parents, exclaiming, I could ride another ride. I could ride another <laughs> ride. But they're asleep on their feet. They are wrung out. There's nothing <laughs> left. Right. And the parents physically have to pick them up and just carry them out of the park. Right. Because they're going to live out that day yes. as if it was their last. They don't have a concept of time yet. We put that in them. Yes. They realize I got today and we have these moments. I'm going for it. And I just think that we can have this this beautiful, you know, abandon that we approach each day with mm -hmm. to maximize it. It's not a reckless abandon, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's a level of abandon to, in belief, like you said, that this is the day and you have it. Yesterday Absolutely. is gone. Tomorrow is not promised. You have the gift of right now, the present.
what will you do with it today? Absolutely. Well, and I love how you paralleled when we talk about time and the correlation using your example of money, you know, one minute, one dollar. I love how you value, like if people value money and they value time, what do you do with those things? You invest, right? Mm-hmm. You, in, you invest in the things that cultivate growth, that, that cultivate meaning uh, and take life to a richer, deeper, meaningful place. And that's not just for ourselves. It's the gifts in which we embody that we therefore can help other people. We can be the example. We can be the one with the outstretched hand and say, come on aboard, whatever you don't know, let's do it together. Let's help each other out. And let's, you know, it's raising the collective consciousness of all. That's what paying it forward and being of service is. It's not the soul. uh, We're on the soul receiving end of what it is that we love necessarily, but it's what we love in each other. And how can we make that a bigger, beautiful, more expansive picture for the collective? Oh, brilliant. Yeah. And and it's all about collective energy and collaboration, right? That's the social currency now, right? Yes. Collaboration. And the more that we're aware of that. And the more we are generous of spirit, yes. right, and we have the requisite energy to show up, to collaborate, mm-hmm. and to share our gifts and talents, you're going to get it back. It'll be reciprocal. I like to say it'll be even more than that. It'll be symbiotic. Yes, right? absolutely. And so the more that we start to recognize that if I show up with the right kind of energy and I'm collaborative and I, if you shine, I shine attitude, right? That's my way I approach yeah. it. If I can help you shine, I'm going to get mine. I'm going to get my shine. And many times it's going to come in an unexpected way, which is what I love about mm. this idea of investing in others. Yes. Right? It's recognizing that if you're this servant leader, if you're this person who is serving the greater good on a regular basis, mm-hmm. then you show up that way all the time. I don't have an agenda. My agenda is you. Yes. Love my that. agenda is you. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it goes to that if you shine, I shine. So let's go, right? And let's go. See Game you on, show up, Kevin. right? <laughs> and when people see you show up like that, Lisa, on the regular, they yes. know you're not just spewing rhetoric. It's who you are. It's what you embody. And the more that you show up that way, more consistently, next thing you know, people want to rally around you. People want to support you. You get these unexpected chance meetings, sign symbols, all these things, alchemy, if you will, happens more often. And that's so collaboration. I think you're spot on investing in others, being that servant leader, being in service of others is always going to pay amazing, I love this, dividends. There you go. To continue your your metaphor, right? That's the way it works. It obviously does. It pays dividends. Absolutely, it does. And the thing is, too, when you invest in other people, it's a win-win scenario. There, there's no loser. Nobody comes out the loser. And there's no, there's no hierarchy and there's no inequality or inequity, right? Everything's balanced. Everything's yes. balanced. Because if I want you to win, I win. My children win. Society wins. Culture wins. The masses wins. Everybody wins. It's when we start hoarding our knowledge, our gifts, our talents, our skills, uh, you know, our messages, whatever the case may be. Once we become like the sole controller or hold hoarder of that, then that's when you start going down that slippery slope of okay, what is the agenda here, or what is the main objective, or what is it? What's you- in it for me? Absolutely. What's in it Absolutely. for me? Absolutely. Right. But that goes back to scarcity versus abundance. 
Yes. Right. We, we mentioned that earlier in our conversation, this attitude of scarcity versus an attitude of abundance. And that's a game changer. It's a game changer. Because if you're always looking at what's the ROI, what's the, what's the value add, what am I getting out of this? Well, mm -hmm. the give get, right? That yeah. You owe me. Mm. If I did for you, you owe me. Mm -hmm. You're always going. And I always say, how do we stop being so dang transactional? Yes. And start being more transformational. Yes. Beautiful. With each other, right? Beautiful. Well That's put. what it's about, right? Absolutely it is. Wholeheartedly. Completely. Okay. Well, let me ask you this then, Kevin. Um, and it is a question that I've asked, not everybody, but I've asked a, a handful of people. And I, this, I want an answer from you on this one. So oftentimes in our journey, sometimes because we're in survival mode, uh, you know, we come from a place when we're starting to build our own momentum or we're starting to see uh, there's a bigger picture. OK, and we're still fumbling our way through it. We don't always know what we don't know. Like we're just fumbling our way through it. But sometimes when we are embarking upon something because we true we we truly elect to see our greatness, we embrace our greatness, even if everybody else has walked out. We see a bigger picture. We hold a bigger picture for ourselves. At what point within your journey did it not become about survivorhood in terms of the mindset of I'm going to prove you wrong, which is what increases your own growth and momentum versus you stepping into who you are, owning the stage in your own life and saying, no, this isn't about proving you wrong anymore. This is about proving me right. Mm, no, that's I, I love that query. It's a great it's a great question. And I think there comes a point and, you know, obviously doing a lot of the work, counseling, therapy, all the things that I needed to do, I had to do that work mm. to get past the pain, right? Yeah. And to and to deal with all the trauma, right, that I dealt with in my childhood. So that's a that's a real thing, right? That I had to do that. There was no way I was going to be able to navigate that on my own. And mm -hmm. that was at the suggestion of Miss Lane. She said, you got to do that other work. You got to sit down with some people and, you know, maybe I started talking with the pastor at my church first and then he suggested someone else to talk to. And then that person, you know, each city that I moved to, I found someone to mm -hmm. sit down with to continue to do that work. And so and that's ongoing. That's never ending. I don't stop doing that. It might not be as frequent, but mm -hmm. doing that work helped allow me to get to this place where I didn't have to. I'll show you anymore. Mm -hmm. Right. It was more like. I'm going to flex. I'm going to demonstrate. You're going to witness what's going on now, right? Mm -hmm. What I've become, right? How I've, how I've demonstrated that I've risen above my suffering and circumstances. And now I'm celebrating each time, right? And the way that I'm on stage in this playful and sophisticated way, right? When people are hearing me unpack my story, I see their faces with just, just, just the they're reliving it with me yeah and I have to reassure people I'm here I'm okay mm -hmm. I found a way through it but you can see them crying in the audience from time to time and and I have to reassure them I'm okay mm -hmm. and I found a way and in fact I'm celebrating because I wouldn't be in front of you all able to tell that story in the way that I can in a celebratory way if I didn't do the other work Absolutely. so doing that work and working through the trauma has helped me. I can say that my brothers haven't done their work the way they need to. 
mm-hmm. and they deal with it dif- and with difficulty. Both my brothers have had an opportunity to see me speak. And both my brothers have commented the same thing. I don't even know how you get past the story about the bus. Mm-hmm. I break down when I even think about it. And I said, well, I've done my work. Mm-hmm. And that's what's allowed me to get past that, to rise above that, so that now it's celebratory. Look at what I've been able to rise above. And then I want you all to know that dealing with some difficult doesn't have to derail you. It's Absolutely. part of your story. It's part of the journey. So how do you find a way to rise above? How do you surround yourself with tools and resources, right, and gain the confidence, right, to show up that way? that mm-hmm. this isn't going to break me, right? What do they say? A setback is a setup for a comeback. Yes, absolutely. Bingo. Hear what I'm saying, Lisa, right? I do. I do. A setback is a setup for a comeback, an amazing comeback. Yes. And so we're all going to deal with setbacks throughout our journey. It's mm-hmm. not just reserved to our youth and our childhoods. True. Right? You're going to face that thing at any point in your life. So what's your attitude then? That setback, is it a setup? For that comeback or do you think it's going to derail you and that's your choice you actually mentioned that word choices earlier in the conversation and it's a choice it is it's a choice it absolutely fundamentally is a choice it absolutely is so let me ask you this okay so if we look at things from the optics or through the lens of a six-year-old child you know and as you're incrementally getting older chronologically older developmentally you're starting to acquire new concepts new beliefs things that are are aligning your your toolbox so when you're of that age and you're on that momentum that track you know you're thinking about the future in terms of I need more mentors, I I need more good examples, I need more leadership, I need more role models, I need more webinars, I need more masterminds, I need all these things. But if we turn that on its head, and we look at where you are right now, currently, Kevin, at the stage in your life as the adult looking back on the six year old, okay, with the with the newfound wisdom that you've now acquired within your journey, what is it that you would communicate to that six-year-old child? Or, you know, what, what is it that you would do to continuously nurture that six-year-old child if you see yourself as the parent now of that inner child? I would, I would continue to encourage, you know, that six-year-old child myself to stay curious. Yes. Stay curious. Just stay curious, right? Just have wonder each and every day. Look up, right? You know, all the answers aren't on that small screen that's in front of you, right? Mm -hmm. Answers are available to you on the big screen called life. Mm -hmm. So be more present, stay more curious, have that level of curiosity on a daily basis, right? I love that, um, what is that uh, quote by Albert Einstein? I have no... Special talents, I'm only passionately curious. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So stay passionately curious each and every day. I would ask my six-year-old self to give me, to share a wonder that you discovered today, something mm-hmm. that was new, right? And actively practice that with them, right? So that they are working that muscle, that creative confidence, that curiosity muscle. So yes. they're strong every day. It's getting stronger and stronger. That would be the thing I would encourage. And I, I think innately I was a very curious child mm-hmm. and maybe there was a bit of necessity in that, that I was seeking, 
right? Mm-hmm. I was seeking answers. I was seeking wisdom. I was seeking ways to rise above and to navigate the difficulty that I was dealing with. Mm-hmm. But that curiosity has served me well. I've remained that way. And so I think curiosity can win the day. And I would really tell my six-year-old self, don't stop being curious. Stay yes. curious. Well, it's funny because I, I'm in a bit of a time warp here. <laughs> I think I just interviewed uh, Dove Barron, our mutual friend, mm-hmm. and he's all about curiosity. Yes, and he the is. Way, and the way you just said that, it was like, okay, am I talking to Kevin or am I talking to oh. Dove? <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, well I, I take that as an amazing compliment. It Dove is. is brilliant, brilliant human being. Yes, he is. He is. He's one of my dearest friends, and I derive a lot of inspiration from him. And infectious um, energy, right? Like yes. he is the embodiment of infectious energy. He Absolutely. It feels like he's pulling you through the mic to him, right? Like, like. <laughs> so he's got his energy. Yeah, that I. T- yeah, there's. You have to experience Dove, right? That's the only way you can explain him. That's the only way you can explain him. Or if, yeah. you, if you, or if you're geographically close to him, we've had the opportunity to do live streams together. Oh, that, wow. that takes it to a total. Different oh, I level. bet that. I bet there were sparks. <laughs> I bet there were sparks. I'm glad there was no kindling or anything around the two of you doing that. That probably would have been. Yeah, that would have been an inferno for sure. Oh, it was amazing. It was in New York at a C-Suite Thought Summit. And mm. uh, yeah, we'd had a couple glasses of red wine. So it was good. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Libations loosen it up a little bit, right? <laughs> the kindling is there and sparks are flying. I can only imagine that was a robust combo, I'm sure. Oh, it was. It was. In fact, that should be coming through my Facebook feed, my archives. I'm going to upload that soon. But mm. um but anyway, so, you know, living fearlessly, no differently when we talk about terms, uh, you know, whether it's success or mindset or leadership, everybody's got or legacy, everybody's got their own interpretation for what that means. So what does, I mean, you've clearly depicted a very living fearlessly type life, Kevin, uh, you really, really have, but what does it mean to you? In what way do you believe you're continuously, deliberately, intentionally choosing to live life on purpose from the, from the sphere, the energetic sphere of living fearlessly? I really think when I take that idea of living fearlessly, I go back to waking up each day, ready to compete to fight mm-hmm. the good fight on behalf of my hopes, my dreams, my aspiration, my calling. Mm-hmm. And so I'm going to fight the good fight. I'm going to fight that in a fearless way. Right? I know that I'm going to meet up against people who are non-believers, haters, whatever you want to call them. Well, thank you for the motivation. Let's go. <laughs> let's go. Let's go. Yeah, let's go. Right? Let's go. Let's dance, as they say, right? Let's dance. Let's go. Right? So it's on. And haters are my motivators. So we're going to go and mm-hmm. we'll go around for that day. Let's go. And, and I think when I show those individuals and those moments and those situations that I'm not going to shriek under that, I'm not going to shrink under that, right? Mm-hmm. That I'm not going to in any way step back from that. I'm going to lean into that. Mm-hmm. I think that's living fearlessly to me to lean into it, right? Beautiful. To fight the good fight to recognize that there may be some days that I get bloodied, right? I skim my knees, that that maybe you win a little bit. You won that round, but you know what? Let's go. We'll mm-hmm. go again tomorrow. If I'm gifted that day, if I get that day, then I'm fighting again, right? I'm showing up again, and I'm arming myself with more 
knowledge, resources, insights, whatever it is to allow me to show up and fight that good fight. And And it's about competing, right? And so how do you get better, right? Always raising your game, all these different things. That athletic mindset serves me well. That competitive mindset serves me well. And that's what I'm going to bring every day. So living fearlessly is about leaning into it and competing. Beautiful. Well, you and I share yet another parallel. We never talked about this in uh, our initial conversation, but sports and competition go hand in hand with my journey as well. And so I was very blessed that I was in an individualized sport. I was in competitive swimming. My goal was to be an Olympic swimmer representing Canada. And what I learned from a very young age, because of that individualized sport, I was never in competition with other people. I was ultimately in competition with myself, which meant I needed to be cognizant of shaving off you know my own time to get my own best time or perfecting my own stroke so as to make the whole um you know winning the race that much more clean so you know and so I was always in my own head I was always looking at the pace clock I wasn't looking who was in the lane beside me or who was in the lane to the left or to the right of me it was really focused on that wall ahead and and just counting my strokes in doing the flip turn and being cognizant of my own time on the clock and running so, your own race right so absolutely you know, not not stepping on that but it just made me think of this whole idea you know the Olympics when it first started, it was all about the personal best. It wasn't about competing against the person to your right or left. Yes. And there's this beautiful term called arete, A-R-E-T-E. Mm-hmm. It was performing at the highest level of you. Yes. And bringing forth the highest level of value, virtue, and integrity, your mm-hmm. highest self. Mm-hmm. And so when you start talking about personal best, yeah. arete, that's what it's about every day. Yes. Right. Is is performing at your level best. When I spent time in South Africa, I heard Archbishop Desmond Tutu actually bring up this idea of, you know, asking children, did you do your level best today? Mm. And Mm. they would have to respond yes or no, go or no go. Right. Mm -hmm. And your level best was the best that you could be that day in the face of whatever you were dealing with, because sometimes that level best might not have been your optimal, but was the best I could do that day. Absolutely. And I did the best I could and then repeat and repeat and repeat. So what you're talking about from, you know, a swimmer's mindset was you couldn't pay attention to what was happening into the lane to your right or left. Right. Mm -hmm. You couldn't. You had to focus on your strokes. You had to focus on that flip turn. You had to focus on that mental clock. Right. And you knew like, man, I'm in the zone. I'm flowing here. I'm in. Yeah, I can tell. And when those moments happen, like that happens to me when I'm on stage. When I'm watching myself perform, Mm -hmm. when I'm seeing myself speaking, Mm -hmm. when I've gotten out of the way, Mm -hmm. right? And whatever is supposed to message I'm supposed to be sharing is just flowing out of me. Oh, I revel in those moments. Beautiful. That's when I know I'm in that place, right? That's when I know I'm in that place like you're talking about. And so it's fleeting though, isn't it? Right, Lisa? Right? Yeah. That's the thing, right? (laughs) As soon as you start thinking about it, it's done. That's right. (laughs) And you're like, damn, where'd it go? Right. Right? It's like, and so, and and isn't that our quest? We're always chasing that, which is what allows you to compete every day and compete against you. That's right. Because when you're in analytical mode, you're not in flow mode. No, you're not. No, no. 
So the minute you start to dissect your own thoughts or you're cognizant of even oh, what you're it's, thinking it's, about, you're it's done. already started unraveling. It's unraveling. Yes. It's yes. already unraveling. Well, let me ask you this then, Kevin. So going back to what you said a few minutes earlier, when you talk about, um, you know, fighting the good fight. So when you're talking about the metaphoric ring, who are you fighting against? Are you fighting against yourself? Are you fighting against the naysayers? Or what is the ultimate fight? Who, who is the invisible person there? That individual, that foe that I envision each and every day is that spirit that's trying to keep that childlike wonder away from the next generation of leaders, yes. doers, and dreamers to me mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. that are trying to hold back a me somewhere in the world. Mm -hmm. And I'm fighting on behalf of that person. Maybe I haven't even met you yet. Mm -hmm. But you need to know that there is energy out there that is absolutely rooting for you. And so I'm fighting the good fight on behalf of the next generation of leaders, makers, doers, and dreamers. And the foe is the, that spirit, that energy of haters, non-believers, naysayers, individuals who tell you that it's not possible, individuals who are telling you, look what you come from, individuals who are telling you it's never going to work out for you, even regardless of your socioeconomic, everybody's going to deal with some difficult, it's called having a life. Yeah. <laughs> Hello. Right? <laughs> yeah. And when people uh, ask me, Kevin, you sound like you, you know, you have, you know, do you have bad days? I said, I have a full life. Mm -hmm. I have a little bit of everything going on all the time. And that's what I revel in and I marvel at. And so when you ask that question, who's the foe? It's that spirit, that energy, that literal figure or, you know, or figurative individual, whatever it might be. But who's trying to hold back that next generation? Because they need a Miss Lane. They need mm. an encourager. And mm -hmm. I'm going to be the next iteration of her. That was my promise to her. She passed away five years ago, and that was my promise. Miss Lane, don't you worry. I'm going to continue on that work. I'll be the next you. Beautiful. And so now I have technology and all these ways to reach and access, and that's what I'm doing. And so that's the foe, right? Mm -hmm. Is individuals or energy that's out there trying to hold back that next generation of leaders, makers, doers, and dreamers. So let's go. Mm -hmm. let's go. Let's go. Let's dance. Go. Ready for you. Let's go. Game on, Kevin. Game on. <laughs> Game on. It's all real. That's real talk. No doubt. Yeah. Well, I, I, you know, like you, I'm, I'm a true believer. Like the only people who can hold you back is yourself fundamentally, because there's always going to be naysayers. There's always going to be critics. There's always going to be unforeseen circumstances that put you in that contemplative state of, okay, do I succumb to this or do I rise above it and play a bigger game in addition to it? Right. So, I mean, I think when we talk about cultivating people's self-esteem, we talk about cultivating people's self-worth, self-concept, everything is preceded by the word self because we understand, recognize, and embrace that this is an internal journey. So there's always going to be the Tony Robbins, there's always going to be the Kevin Carrolls, there's always going to be the Oprah Winfrey's, but you know, we're not here to be them. We're here to recognize the fact that we are who we are and the miracle of life that brought us here and knowing statistically how, you know, crazy that is, if you try to wrap your head around it, you know, figure yourself out, figure yourself out. And I say, be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own mm -hmm. leader, be your own best friend, but bring everyone along for the ride. Yes, they're all coming with you, right? And so the more that you recognize that how you show up, 
how those individuals, all those facets of you, right, are, are always going to be present. And the more that you realize that belonging starts with you. Yes. Belong to yourself first. Mm-hmm. Stay true to who you are at your core, right? And it's not about chasing and, and shape-shifting to become something for others, you got to mm-hmm. find and figure out who you are at your core, right? And recognize that and hold that up, right? You got to love me for me, right? Like that's important that you understand that. And yep. so first, like you were saying, like you got the first and most important is you got to love thyself, right? And yes. then know thyself. Yes. Yes. Well, it's the most important relationship you'll ever have because yes, it, will. it doesn't matter if you've got a significant partner who loves you to the cows come home. It doesn't matter if you've got a great relationship with your children or your peers or your colleagues or your, your team or whatever. At the end of the day, you are with yourself 24-7. So when all the raw raw exits the room and they've done their nine to five and they're grind and they go home and they go pay attention to other people who are perhaps even more important in their lives than you are. You you're left, you know, you're left holding the ball for yourself, the red rubber ball for yourself. So, you know, to what degree do you value yourself? To what degree do you value your own gifts, your own inner beauty, your own inner curiosity, your own everything? Um, because that's what prevails. That's what prevails, and that's also the energy that you emit to other people when we talk about the law of attraction or we talk about vibe attracts tribe. So, you know, for whatever degree or, you know, descriptor for the relationship that you hold with other people, that's all indicative of what you're emitting yourself. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. It's it's a direct reflection of the energy that you put out. Yes. So if you bring stank energy, guess what's coming your way, right? (laughs) If you bring good energy, guess what's being reciprocated? And I think, you know, when we're in those private, that private time, that quiet Mm -hmm. time, that alone time, right, Mm -hmm. with yourself, what's the speak that you're speaking? Yes. What's the conversation you're having? Yes. How are you reaffirming, good Mm -hmm. or bad? Yeah. Right? That Mm -hmm. conversation. And that's the choice. We go always back to choices, don't we, Lisa? Yes, we always do. go back to choices, right? And I've met very successful, you know, leaders from all over the world, and they're so unhappy. Yes, because they don't know who they are at their core. They've become this caricature. Mm-hmm. They're mm-hmm. they don't even know who they are, and they show up at every place with a mask on. Mm-hmm. And when I'm up on stage or I'm having a conversation, they're like, how can you be so free, so transparent? I said, I've done my work. Yes. Do your work. Yes. It starts with you. Absolutely. And your future self will thank you. Oh, in a big way. In a huge way. In a big way. It's one of those amazing realities that you will discover that if you continue to do the work, it will pay off, right? Mm-hmm. If you do the right thing, right, it will pay dividends. You're going to mm-hmm. invest in yourself first and foremost, right? Mm-hmm. That will be reflected in all your relationships. Absolutely. Well, and as you know about me, and I, I believe that, uh, you know, you would attest to this yourself, Kevin, is I don't believe in coincidences. Oh, come right? on now. Come no, on exactly. now. No, there are none. No, there are none. No. So when you do the right thing, when you believe the right things, 
there's no coincidence that you align with the right people, the right opportunities. And so where people would be inclined to go, oh, you know, like, I can't believe that happened. Good or bad. Oh, you're bad. so lucky. Oh, oh you're, you're so, so lucky. lucky. Absolutely. Well, no, it, you know, going back to the contrast of what you said, you know, what you reaffirm either for the positive or for the negative, the universe will respond accordingly. So be careful how you're talking to yourself. Come on now. Come on now. That's real yeah. talk. Lisa, yes. that's real talk, right? And I and I I am a firm believer in that, right? Whatever you want to call it, coincidence, serendipity, God winks, whatever, those will happen more and more often yes. when you're on your path and when you're behaving in a way where you're attracting that good or bad. Yes. Yes. Right? So yes. you bring some woe is me energy. Guess what's coming you to you? A lot of woe. <laughs> More of the same, people. More of the same. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Why, why are all these energy vampires around me? Oh, because you keep bringing that energy. That's right. And you keep focusing on it, right? Yes, what you, you do. Yes. And I talk about this all the time. What you focus on grows stronger in Come your life. Now. So so if you don't want negative things continuously cycling you and recycling you, then change your point of focus and take it on the other end of the spectrum. You yeah. want good things and good people and good opportunities and abundance and all those things to align with you, then start thinking, speaking, and 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 emitting all of that. Yes, yeah, right? so we're not talking Pollyanna. Just no. Like everything's, no, we're being, this is just being very real, that you're going to deal with lots of, 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 variation on you know positivity negativity and all that but it's how you choose to deal how yes. you choose to take in what you choose to hold on to yes absolutely right and for and for people like you and i too we talked about this behind the scenes it's you know you know if people say would you go back in time and if you could have a different upbringing or you could have a, a different type of life no i would never mm -hmm. opt to change that because if I had, and I'm sure you can attest to this, Kevin, there's no telling that you would be the person you are today who's inspiring all kinds of monumental, profound shifts and changes in the lives of countless, right? I've, would you, I've, would I've absolutely, what you just said there, I brought that up the other day that, you know, in many ways, my parents did me an amazing favor. Yes. Yes, absolutely. because had I had to be in all that dysfunctional and upheaval throughout my whole childhood and growth and teen mm -hmm. years, who knows? But well, the fact right. that they let us go mm -hmm. really was the unlock for me. I truly believe that. The catalyst. Came yes, it catalyst. was. Well, yes. well said. Well said. There it is. That is apropos use. That is apropos use right there, Lisa, <laughs> for sure, right? It was, right? That was what catalyzed was their decision to let us go, right? Yes. And, and maybe they didn't even realize it and they were in the throes of their addiction, but mm -hmm. it really was an unlock. It was mm -hmm. literally that life hack, whatever you want to call it, but it was that for us and for okay. me especially. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. Well, listen, my friend, being cognizant of time, because I knew you're always welcome to come back. Mm -hmm. You know that. I'd love uh, but, to. I, but I want to give the listeners and the podcast subscribers an opportunity to tap into your yumminess off of this call, off of this radio show. So where can people reach out to you? Where can people seek you out for engagement? Where can people uh, seek you out for a speaking engagement or, um, or just become more familiarized with who you are, purchasing your books, etc.? So just finding me on social is probably the easiest. It's at 
Casey Catalyst with a K. So K-C-K-A-T-A-L-Y-S-T. You can find me on all my social and there's links to all of uh, my uh, creative capers and things that I'm up to <laughs> around the world. So you'll, you'll be able to find out all the things, my, uh, my, uh, my diligent, diabolical uh, things that I'm up to, but in a positive, deviant way. <laughs> Love that. Beautiful. And so if there was one, because there was a lot of ground that we covered and everything I think we talked about was equally uh, instrumental for the listening audience. But if there was one specific takeaway that you hope resonates the most with the listening audience and the podcast subscribers, what would that be, Kevin? I think I always let people... um, realize and remember that play is serious business Mm -hmm. if you want more innovation more creativity more problem solving more abstract thinking more ingenuity you want to deliver the unexpected find time for fun and stephen johnson writes this amazing book called wonderland and he has this beautiful quote you'll find the future wherever people are having the most fun so find time for fun fantastic Great parting words. Well, listen, I want to thank you again. I think you're a spitfire. I think everything that you're doing in this space and the game of life and the playground of life is absolutely beautiful. The world is starving for more people like you. So for all the ways that you are tirelessly contributing, rolling up your sleeves, getting people on board, giving them a hand, I just want to say thank you very much. I appreciate you wholeheartedly and completely, Kevin. Thank you, Lisa. Game recognized game, right? So right back at you. Thank you. And to the listening, you too, my friend. And to the listening audience, I want to thank you very much once again for your time out of your own busy schedules for tuning in to myself and my phenomenal guest of today, Kevin Carroll. My purpose, which I'm very exceptionally clear on, is to uplift you to fear less and to live more. So until next Friday, where we are joined yet again by another amazing guest, I want to wish you a safe, wonderful weekend. Love and gratitude to all of you. Love and gratitude to you as well, Kevin Carroll. Catalyst. Game on. Peace and play. Peace and play. All right. Take care, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio thanking you once again for taking time out of your hectic schedules to tune in to another fantastic weekly episode of Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald. Another shout-out of wholehearted gratitude to Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald's corporate sponsors, Helton Honda, Forever, and AHA That. Your reviews, clicks, shares, downloads, feedback, and testimonials are always appreciated. Lisa's purpose and mission is to uplift you to fearless and to live more. To appear as a prospective guest on Living Fearlessly with Lisa McDonald or to connect with Lisa regarding her suite of products and services, you can reach Lisa at livingfearlesslywithlisa.com. And until next week, our fearless friends, this is Al Cole from CBS Radio telling you to be your own hero, be your own hero, be your own leader, and be your own best friend. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.